Hello, and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and let's just jump right into it. Finally, it is over. Well, let's just say we're hoping that it's over. So this is episode 44, and I'm just going to have to call it like I see it. He won, damn it. It's done. So as of yesterday, December 14th, 2020, was it December 14th? Yes, because at this point, who the hell knows what day it is most of the time. But yes, (laughs) Monday, December 14th, 2020, the Electoral College officially met after all 50 states and, and territories certified their elections. And they voted. Most of us thought that we voted a month ago, but okay. They voted and the vote came down to 306 electoral votes to 232 electoral votes in favor of Joseph Biden as the next president of the United States. Despite the fact that most of us had already assumed that he was, and let's face it, even though we know about the Electoral College and every time we get to national election time, there are lots and lots of discussions about it. Pretty much after the election is over, the fervor about it dies down. Of course, the talking heads will bring it up because, hell, if this is slow news day, let's talk about the Electoral College and the fact that they still have to meet. But typically, even though they may bring it up, it never really amounts to much that anybody is all pressed about because we know who won, right? I mean, even back during the Bush-Gore hanging Chad, no Chad, half a Chad, all of that, once it went to the Supreme Court and they made their decision, even though some of us may still feel a little salty about how that came down. It's of no consequence. The bottom line is the decision was made. We knew who was president and we moved on. And there wasn't all this hanging in the air. And again, by the time the electoral college met, some of us, some of us political junkies may have paid attention to it, but certainly nowhere to the degree that everybody is paying attention to it now. Certainly nowhere to the degree that uh, we go into waiting from for a prime time statement from the president elect, especially on a day when other really momentous things that specifically affect people's lives, and I'm talking life and death, was going on, uh, particularly the coronavirus vaccine, oh gosh, I can't even get my words out, the coronavirus vaccine being actually delivered and landing lock, stock, and barrel in all 50 states, most of us, including me, I personally thought that that whole process was cool. I was utterly fascinated watching the 
FedEx and UPS trucks pull up and hearing about like how that it had to be kept at this sub-zero temperature, negative 100 degrees below Fahrenheit, and that there were GPS monitors on every box that were, and the trucks that were being viewed every two seconds. I mean, this operation, it really, I, I got to tell you, I it was so cool. It was like watching some kind of James Bond spy movie or something. I was waiting for Dr. Evil to jump out and be like, I stole all the virus vaccine. <laughs> like that, that is how wild um, that whole thing was. And Okay, see, notice went straight down a rabbit hole, only took two seconds as it relates to the coronavirus vac vaccine, because that is how not interesting the electoral college situation should be, <laughs> considering that we voted, hell, what was it? I don't even remember the date anymore. Out of sight, out of mind, especially since I feel like the experience was so traumatic for many of us, it's uh, for days. I mean, okay, so the election was November 3rd. We finally got a quote winner, unquote, on November 7th. So went from trauma to elation to now, I, I mean, we were in some kind of strange legal purgatory and now the electoral college. And then, of course, this weekend, churches being burned in, in D.C. and those ridiculous groups who I refuse to name just because it gives them more sway. And I refuse to give white supremacists hard-ons uh, with the benefit of my lovely voice. So, um, it, yeah, so it, it was just crazy. So uh, President-elect Biden did give some words last night, and I appreciated, and this is one of the headlines, in fact, um, that not even a pandemic or an abuse of power can, can extinguish that flame of democracy. Absolutely. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. That is what we are all about. This is the United States of freaking America, and damn it. <laughs> We're not going to let, or hopefully, we're not going to let some assholes just take over the country just because, because the candidate that you liked didn't win. Or in the case of that whining orange baby, just because you didn't win. We're not going to stand by while you try to bully intelligence agency officials who you appointed just because they won't agree with you and say that there was some widespread, uh, just some widespread cheating. And while I certainly never thought that there would be a day where I defend anything that goes on in Georgia, well, at least, I mean, the vote, yes, but I'm talking about the shenanigans uh, that go on in their Secretary of State's office, especially considering that that was the position Kemp had uh, held before he became governor. I mean, literally, you have 
Kemp, Governor Kemp of Georgia, who, as far as I'm concerned, what skin do you really have in this game? You are governor of Georgia. Whether or not you continue to be governor of Georgia depends on the people of Georgia voting for you again or some of them voting for you and then you cheating and winning and, and ending up in the governor's mansion anyway. But the bottom line is that has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not President Trump wins the national election. Not at all. Whether or not he was there had it had nothing to do with you winning the last time. In fact, you trying to actively uh it, it actively disenfranchised the people in your own state to please him does nothing but fuel the fire in the bellies of the people in your state who hate you. The people in your state who felt like they were already disenfranchised just merely by the fact that you are their governor over Stacey Abrams. And then you're going to try and disenfranchise them again on a much larger scale when they come out and vote in numbers larger than they ever have before and manage to literally affect the change in the state that some of them never thought they'd see again in their lifetime. How crazy is that? And then to add insult to that injury, not only were you attempting to participate in this maneuvering to disenfranchise the people of your state, you also tried and participated in attempting to undermine your own appointee, your own secretary of state, and uh, be involved in a campaign that also uh, involved the president of the United States and uh, Governor, what's his name, Mr. Fancy Pants, Lindsey Graham, to try to get this person to, I guess, undermine themselves and commit uh, political and professional suicide to say that they ran a crappy election. Why would I do that? Especially if I don't feel that I did, especially if due to, uh, back to Kemp, due to Kemp's behavior in the governor's race, their election processes were under more scrutiny than almost anybody's. Their election issues are still in litigation based on what happened in the governor's race two years ago. Which again, in no small part, fueled the fact that Stacey Abrams, who ran against Kemp, is now one of the most powerful people in the country, who again is also responsible for helping to turn the state blue. I mean, it's it's all circular and ridiculous and once again, just getting me away from this stupid electoral college discussion. So finally, I'm just going to end with uh, at least that part of it with what President Biden said, or President-elect rather, just to be clear, this legal maneuver was an effort by elected officials in one group of states to try to get the Supreme Court to wipe out the votes of more than 20 million people, and really, let's call it spade a spade, Black people, because they were the ones in those four particular states that pulled this off, 
um, and uh, 20 million Americans in other states and to hand the presidency to a candidate who lost the electoral college, lost the popular vote, and lost each and every one of the states whose votes they're trying to reverse. And of course, he went on to thank everyone for doing their jobs. Now, in another loss that led up to, in no small part, obviously led up to this, because if they had gotten a release they were seeking, the Electoral College possibly would not have met. So they are somewhat um, connected, leading up to Monday's votes, you had several devastating losses, one of the biggest coming on Friday when the Supreme Court refused to even hear the case. And I mean, you had 18 attorney generals, uh, I'm sorry, yes, 18 attorney generals um, from different states who filed this last minute motion to again get relief. The relief they were seek seeking was to essentially validate the election results in those four key states. And we know that was Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia. And it's funny because including the states, uh, the Supreme Court, but also in other federal courts, even Trump's own appointees to those courts, which is why you got to be careful. You appoint people to the federal courts and they don't need you anymore because once you have those appointments, I'm not going anywhere. So I might have sang and danced and did a little boogie in my pants to make sure I got the appointment. But once I got it, I'm there now. And if he didn't know, now he knows because those many, many, many white people that uh, it was pointed out that he appointed to federal courts around the country refused to rule in his favor. Now, some of them just didn't rule in his favor and they did it quietly and just left it alone, but several did it loudly with bold and stern words. I mean, just saying, we're not doing this shit. No, it's crazy. These suits are out of control and not to mention poorly written and, and we're just not doing it. And the person that the Trump team just flat out said, at least his surrogate, Harmeet Dillon, did in November, but the person that his team flat out said that they were expecting her to swoop in and save the day. I mean, just showing that they were not expecting her to be impartial at all. And it was supposed to be payback for her position. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who I affectionately call Serena Joy, was nowhere to be seen saving him on the Supreme Court. Back in November... Uh, as I said, Trump's surrogate, Harmeet Dillon, and I hope I'm saying that right. If not, I apologize, Mr. Dillon. He said, we're waiting for the United States Supreme Court, of which the president has nominated three justices to step in and do something. And hopefully Amy Coney Barrett will come through and pick it up. So we know what that meant. Hell, if you, even if you're using it, at, at, you know, going with a sports metaphor, we expect for her to come in and carry the ball the rest of the way. That's what they expected. Well, not only did 
Amy not catch it, snap it, jump on it, dive on it. I don't know. I'm not good with sports, but I think I'm sort of in the ballpark of what you do. Um, not only did she not pick it up, but not one of the three justices, including Gorsuch and Gorsuch and his homie Kavanaugh, you know, Brett was his homeboy. Not one of them, <coughs> excuse me, said a peep as the court declined to even accept the filing for relief from those 18 Republican state attor attorney generals. They would not even accept the filing. It was like a one sentence ruling. <coughs> and so they were like, okay, we're not even going to accept the filing. We're not going to do it. And, you know, it involved those four states, the ones where a whole lot of black folks were helpful in turning it blue. <coughs> the two justices who were willing to at least hear the case Alito and Thomas, whom we can only assume were hoping to be entertained by resident legal teen ringmaster Rudy Giuliani, were, they weren't appointed by Trump, but they were at least willing to hear it. The interesting thing is that both said they wouldn't have granted the relief sought anyway, but they would have at least heard it. Thus, going back to my hypotheses that they merely wanted some entertainment from the Trump traveling circus. So bottom line, the court rulings did not help. So the Electoral College that we never pay attention to did what they do. So right now, despite the rallies and the marches and the temper tantrums, even Grandma Clampett, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, had to begrudgingly call President-elect Biden, President-elect Biden. We'll see how long any modicum of gentility lasts among them. We know that it won't. We know that all this is going to do, just like some of these shenanigans have fueled flames on one side, it's just gonna fuel flames on the other. This, it is all, all eyes are going to be on Georgia. I mean, when the Georgia debates uh, happened, what was it, a week ago? Maybe a week and a half ago? It, you know, people from all over the country were watching. I mean, most of my Facebook friends, we were all watching and none of us live anywhere near Georgia. As you know, for me, I'm in the DC metro area. But I mean, hell, that's, that's where the eyes in the world are because that is going to tip the balance. That is going to make a difference between a shot, because, you know, it's, you can't guarantee anything, but that's going to make a difference between a shot at getting anything done for the next at least two years, because, you know, in two years, there's going to be more seats up and God knows what will happen. But, um at least it gives a shot of two years of potentially getting some things moving along in the direction that um, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris would like them to move in versus another several years, hopefully not more than two if things are handled and, and fixed um, when the next round of House and Senate seats come up, 
but uh, it will make a tremendous difference in whether or not it will just be more gridlock in getting anything done. It will make, and it's one of those things that will be a lesson that many of us have already learned in not not only during the Obama presidency, but some presidencies in the past, or just being whether during the time that I was living, or just being a, a student of history, versus um, you know, versus actually trying to move some things along. And it's sad. It's tremendously sad that it really comes down to that. That is not about what is for the good of the country and it's party over everything. But unfortunately, that's where we are. So depending on where your political allegiances lie, you are either going to support a situation where you will have the years of stalemate that you claimed and tried to blame President Obama for, despite what you can clearly read and see happened, or you can have a situation where everything still may not be perfect, not by a long shot, but there is at least an opportunity for some healthy debate and volleying back and forth so that perhaps some policies can actually get through that will benefit everyone. And I'm not saying that just, you know, from a Democrat or Republican standpoint, because those scales would only be tipped by a mere seat or two, which means that there still will need to be a lot of reaching across the aisles because if individuals, even if you are on the quote unquote winning side, are voting your conscience and you genuinely don't think that something that is being done is good for the country or good for your jurisdiction, you can use your vote however the hell you want, which means that as long as the scales on one side or the other is only being tipped by a mere vote or two, you're still forced to work together. But despite what individuals have said, history has shown, at least with the Senate as it stands right now, that there is, uh, that the reaching across the aisles piece isn't working. I'm not going to say that it won't work. Maybe there will be some uh, Republicans who are willing to work with a different president. Maybe they will feel that whatever political retaliation or fallout that they would have potentially faced during a Trump administration for not voting party over everything won't be the same type of consequences, if you will, that they would face under a different kind of administration in, in how um, how individuals behave if you don't vote with your party. Because again, not everybody does. It, and, and those are certainly the people who um, tend to get my respect, depending on the issue, of course, because maybe they actually put some freaking thought into it. Or 
even if it's not even a position that I agree with, I could even respect it if, you know, in doing research, it's clear that your position is based on what you feel is best because of your particularly situated constituents. As we know, not all states are created equal in terms of the number of people, the type of lifestyle, industry, all of those things. And that should be, should be at the top of most of these individuals' lists when they go to Washington. Now, obviously, when they're in the Senate, it, they, they should, you know, obviously be having a larger view in terms of taking into account the entire country but when all else fails and and you know you've you've got to sort of weigh it out and go mm, I'm not really sure I guess this would be for the country but I'm still kind of feeling it would be good for the country but I'm still feeling some kind of way about it how do the people and how is this going to affect the people in my states I have no problem with that because they're the mofos who put you there and if we're in a state where, you know, there are certain things that work for the New Yorkers and the Californians and the whatever Ohio people call themselves, but it's not working for us, I don't know, Idahoans or whatever, or, or vice versa, then that's fine because that's who put you there. I mean, as long as it's nothing crazy. But again, even if I don't agree, at the very least, I can respect that your position is based on something other than following your party leader, his jowls, and his other homies like sheep to the slaughter. So I'm going to let you go with that one. This isn't a particularly long one. I just wanted to do a quick news break before anything, uh, any more time went by to get this up and uh, just get you a little bit of news in my view because we've talked so much about this election and I'm sure we're going to be talking politics and things soon, but uh, strangely enough, this is actually a big story given what the past couple of months have been like. So other than that, I'm just going to say farewell. I've got some other shows to record for you all. So I'm going to finish this one up and hop on to the next one. Thank you as always for hanging with me and um, remember that you can listen to this or share it with your friends. Let them know that I'm available on pretty much any platform they listen to. Amazon, Podbean, of course, which is my primary host. Um, iTunes, please go there. Give us five stars. Thank you for the people who have been giving us stars there. I didn't even realize we had so many. Thank you. Thank you. And um, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. I personally uh, tend to listen to on my Google Post podcast player um, and sometimes my Spotify player. I am on Spotify um, and Google. I tend to listen to the Google one because I just find it's, it's very easy the way my things pop up. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so you all have a good night. Follow me on all social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Let's Be Honest JJ. 
That's L-E-T-S-B-E-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J for Just Jonda. And on our Facebook page, join in the fun at the Fashion and Drama Diaries. And remember, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm probably thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together.